This is Seeking Alpha's Investing Experts Podcast. I'm Rob Isbitt, Seeking Alpha contributor under the profile Sun Garden Investment Publishing. My friend Matthew Tuttle of Tuttle Capital Management is with me again. He is a fellow Seeking Alpha contributor, highly experienced trader, and an ETF innovator. We hope that you can learn from our experience by listening to this podcast and by following us on Seeking Alpha. Matthew Tuttle. When they say crosswinds, I think they're talking about the market that we have right now. There are a ton of crosswinds. So let me ask you, first of all, with all the economic data coming out, with all of the market action, which is getting more interesting as September starts, what's sort of at the top of your list of what to be watching and maybe drawing some conclusions about the market cycle and where we're going here uh, on the 7th of September when we're recording this. Yeah, so a couple of key things that I would be watching. First off, you've got all the major indexes now below their 50-day moving averages. Uh, Short term, that is bearish. You've got regional banks looking like something is horribly wrong, Uh, you know, also bearish. You've got money center banks, you know, the charts of those don't look very good either. I'm obviously not as worried about a Bank of America or Citigroup. Those are all too big to fail. But I am worried that you've got some other regionals having issues. You've got a 10-year rate that is nearing the highs of the year, and you've got oil prices that are at the highs of the year. All at the same time, you've got inflation numbers that appear to show inflation is coming down. You have economic numbers that keep getting revised down, but that keep showing a soft landing is on the table. But then on the other side, you've got negative economic numbers out of China. You've got negative numbers out of Germany. So I sort of wonder if the economic numbers are saying, hey, soft landing, Fed is done, Why are the regional banks looking like they've got issues? Why is the 10-year at highs? So those are the main things that I'm watching at the moment. Excellent summary of where we are. The first thing I would say is that if I hear soft landing again, I think I'm going to have to take a long walk. Uh, Soft landing. (laughs) Okay, getting up. No. Uh, So, look, you just laid it out. Let me summarize what you just said, okay? Uh, Bonds, not happy. Oil, not happy if you're the Fed trying to stamp out inflation. Banking sector, uh, not happy. Uh, And the only question is, why is the stock market or I should say, why is half the stock market or more kind of getting the message that things are getting tougher, that maybe expectations of a soft landing? See, I said it. Now I have to take a walk again. Uh, maybe we have a drinking game going here. But there, there is, uh, to me, uh, a major issue right now with the stock market kind of just trading back and forth a little bit weaker by the by the week, not the day. And I, I guess to me, it's 
it's kind of the for the equity owner who for the last two years has made no money on the S&P and lost money in a lot of things other than the S&P, small caps, non-US, many sectors, many themes, many industries. Okay, A lot of it's down over the last couple of years. It just seems like a lot of picking up pennies in front of the steamroller. And uh, I want to go back to you for a moment, and then I'm going to give you some for instances now that we've kind of painted, let's call it a, I would call it a discouraging picture, except as you and I talk about all the time, we bull bear, we don't care. Uh, the market can go in either direction, um, whether it's uh, through uh, options, shorting, ETFs uh, that go inverse, uh, you know, things that are less correlated to the equity markets. There, there's, there's, there's a half a million ways to make money in any market condition. Um, and I kind of feel like maybe the last straw for the equity market is that we're going to, uh, people are going to, the, the bubble, the last bubble that's going to have to burst is, is what I would call the, I love equities. They always go up bubble. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. I think that, you know, you're probably at least at this point, a little more bearish than I am on the market. Uh, you know, one of the things I do notice is, and, and I think I've said this before on the podcast, where earlier in the year, short selling was easy. Uh, you know, you REITs, banks, you name it, it was very easy to short those and make money. Right now, it's not so easy. It seems like the dips are still getting bought. Where I will start to worry is when the market dips and the dips don't get bought. You know, again, we're, you know, we're sitting here on a specific day, but, you know, the market opened up really ugly today. And if you were a bear, what you would have wanted to see was the market gap down and then just have one of those days where it keeps going. And it has just one of those rip your head off declines and you know we're we're speaking it's you know midday so who knows how things will end but the market is significantly off the lows and you know i just it just doesn't feel like we're in an environment where this market wants to tank and and i'll qualify that with yet and i'll just Correct you with one thing there. I would not say I'm bearish. I would say, because to me, I, I, I don't know where the market's going to go more, any more than anybody else does. Uh, just look at the, you know, the title of our uh, last uh, podcast together, which, uh, by the way, came out this week, and it was the 100th episode of the uh, Investing Experts podcast, which I think we're both just thrilled that we ended up being the uh, the 100th episode. It's like being the millionth shopper at the supermarket, you know, except better. What, what, uh, what do I win? <laughs> that was my first question. There's a Mel Brooks line I could use here, but I won't. So I think of it this way, okay? I, I'm not bearish or bullish. I would say this. I feel that in all the work that I'm doing uh, and all the fundamental news, that I am seeing one piece after another, okay, like water torture. Uh, 
that I'm gearing up to try to see if money can be made you know, on a down market. That's what I'm always trying to ask myself is where can the money be made? Doesn't really matter to me uh, where, but let me, let me give you a few things in here. Porter Stansbury uh, reports, I'm sure this is fine. Commercial bank lending has declined by 1.63% from its all time high. That wouldn't be a big deal. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's only the fourth time in history that it's happened. 1975, 2001, 2009 to 10. In the last 50 years, the only time that commercial lending has declined by more than 1.5%, the S&P, the other three times, lost about half its value. Thoughts as a gradual, long-term, I would say, uh, a bear on regional banks in particular? So, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I'm a bear on the regional banks and have been aggressively finding opportunities to short them. The charts are telling me something is wrong. Uh, I don't worry as much about, you know, statistics, like, you know, this has only happened four times since this and that, because I do think while human psychology is a constant in markets until AI takes over. Uh, but besides that, market dynamics change. And so, you know, I, 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 I stay, you know, like we're sitting here in September and everyone is writing articles, September is historically bad. All right, I don't care because this September may be bad, it may not be. I don't think this September is looking and saying, oh yeah, we're supposed to be down. So I don't put much stock into that stuff. But again, you know, my, my feeling on, on the regional banks is uh, pretty well known at this point. Yeah. And I, I, would, I would say this. I'm, I'm a little more of a history buff and looking for analogs and things like that to the current time. You know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes and all that stuff. And one of the things that I think folks should realize is that there is a lot more self-fulfilling prophecy in the way markets move. So yes, I agree with you. September is just another month, except that there is so much attention, media, et cetera, et cetera, and so many outlets and so much information being thrown at people that I do believe there is a, a significantly more powerful groupthink element in what moves markets. Agree or disagree? I disagree because, you know, yeah, John and Joe, you know, John and Mary Smith might, you know, hear Kramer on Mad Money say, hey, be careful in September and might be careful. I don't think if you're, you know, a big hedge fund, you're going to be looking at that. You're, you know, I don't think if you're a portfolio manager, you're going to be looking at the companies, the metrics, the trends. So again, I'm just, I'm, I'm not as worried about those types of things. Right. And, and uh, by the way, disagreement is part of this. <laughs> so uh, I kind of wish more people would get that, but uh, I look at it and I say, okay, you know, how do you get some of the wild valuations if it's all about the, the fundamentals? I think that's all, that's all. That's a whole discussion for another time. I want to run a couple other things by you and just see what you think. Uh, so 
you know, we've got a real issue with the housing market. Okay, and, and this, it all goes, everything I'm talking about, everything I'm reading, it all goes the same thing. Consumers are really sort of up against it, and it's almost like for years they spent and spent and spent. And now, between credit card debt, student loan debt for 40 million people, uh, and now they have to make the payments again starting uh, in uh, the beginning of October, which means the notices are going out now. Uh, you know, as uh, uh, some named Jeff Weniger said here, okay, because the housing market is a part of this too. There's a, it's a wild financial experiment that we're witnessing in real time. Mortgage rates got shocked by four extra percentage points just since COVID. Mortgages are above 7%. While in recent memory, people were locking in 30-year loans at 25 to 3.5% rates. Housing affordabilities tanked quickly. Uh, the system struggles to function when the rules of the game change like this. Uh, you know, a lot of people can't get approved for a mortgage. I guess the other stat he had in here, which I thought was pretty interesting. The typical amount of income needed to qualify for a mortgage before COVID, $42,000. Now, you need to be making 104000 uh, that, plus the other factors I just mentioned, are really tightening the, the, the reins on the consumer. And to me, that ultimately ends up being the story, that and perhaps higher interest rates. Yeah, and, and I would agree. I mean, and you're not seeing it yet filter through. So I think that's another shoe that's got to drop. Uh, you know, home builders, for example, are an area that I watch quite a bit. And, you know, in the, in the past couple of days here and there, they, they've had some drops. But for the most part, you know, anyone who's been trying to short the home builders this year has been um, sorely disappointed. But you've got to figure, I mean, math, math is math. With the 10-year near the highs of the year, you know, inflation in, in all the other areas, credit card debt at record highs, credit card interest rates at record highs. I, I don't know how the average consumer is hanging on here. And, and maybe they're not. And, and maybe we just haven't seen what's going on filter into the economic data yet. Or maybe they're revising the economic data you know, all the previous months down every single time. Maybe it is in the data. We just haven't seen it. No argument there. Does this require any immediate action from you in terms of, let's say, what you're more keen on looking at in your own trading and investing? I mean, nothing immediate. You know, to me, sitting where we are, I think the entire playbook is open, meaning, you know, there are sometimes in our daily note, we tell people, you know, hey, just, you know, just look for longs. And other times we'll tell people, hey, just, just look at the short side. I wouldn't be buying anything in this environment. I think this is a type of environment where, where you look at both. You look at the setups and, you know, there could be things you want to own and there could be things you want to short. Um, still loving T-bills at, uh, at, at, at these rates. And, you know, for the, the person who's not able to kind of look at this stuff 
minute by minute, day by day, you could do a lot worse than uh, 5% in T-bills. Yeah. And I, I think uh, we, we both have a lot of our own money kind of kind of stashed that way. You know, sometimes you have to look at it and well, like they say, sometimes it's not that difficult. Take what the market gives you. I mean, my my biggest argument for, I would say, anything in T-bills, let's say out to two years, uh, is that you're getting paid to wait and to get more visibility on what really is still the post-COVID era of managing markets, trying to figure out markets, um, and and really making an investment plan that everybody you know does individually for themselves. Uh, I will point out just in some of the things that I've been doing uh, with my money and watching, uh, and this also relates to a couple of articles I had on um, Seeking Alpha recently. Uh, well, I've written a couple about uh, the NASDAQ. Uh, you know, one was uh, basically an endorsement of uh, PSQ, the uh, inverse NASDAQ ETF. Uh, I then went a little bit more granular and more recently uh, wrote about the Magnificent Seven and uh, applied my technical analysis with, uh, I think, some pretty nice visuals, uh, uh, kind of how I do it internally and showing people my, my process. Uh, the bottom line of it was, uh, I have five, five rating systems. I do it by colors. Green is the best. Uh, then it's blue, uh, gray, yellow, and red. There were no greens among the Mag 7. There were no reds, which is kind of like what you were saying when we started this conversation. And eh, Nasdaq's tipping over. Is it falling over? Is it crashing? Not at the moment. But I will say uh, the majority of the seven, as you can see in, uh, in the article, uh, get what I call a negative rating, a yellow. So not disaster imminent, okay, but uh, the risk is much higher than the reward. And the only other thing that I would add, and I think we'll talk about this quite a bit, uh, uh, going forward because this is an article I put out I think about a week ago on Seeking Alpha and it had, I mean, frankly, just a, a very uh, blushing reaction from me because the conversations were so great um, and, and I learned so much from what the Seeking Alpha audience is doing. The subject was ETFs that engage in covered call writing and individuals that do covered call writing on their own, something we're both familiar with. And uh, what I offered there was a way to kind of hopefully have your cake and eat it too with a little bit more risk management on those covered call ETFs. And the response was so overwhelming that I basically promised a bunch of folks in the comments that I'm gonna kind of cover this regularly as sort of a niche within what I do on Seeking Alpha. And I'm very excited about that. So there will be a lot more on that. Uh, anything to say about either the NASDAQ versus the rest of the market or anything option related before we close up shop for the day. So, you know, the, the NASDAQ is continuing to look a lot better than the Dow. You're also seeing consumer staple stocks are looking awful. And, you know, and you've had a down market. And typically what you see is portfolio managers you know, fully invested portfolio managers 
going to consumer staples names in times of turmoil, you're not seeing that now. You're seeing them going to the Magnificent Seven names. Now, you know, perhaps the Apple news coming out of China will change that. Um, didn't seem to me to be that big a deal, but, you know, Apple has certainly been taking it on the chin the past couple of days. But, you know, that, that's what we're seeing there. Well, we're, we're going to come back to two things on future discussions. Uh, one is going to be uh, the Dow versus NASDAQ. Uh, I've tracked that a lot, written a lot about it on uh, Seeking Alpha. Uh, in fact, one of the conclusions I'd reached is that uh, you, you almost don't need the S&P as much if you just allocate between the Dow and the NASDAQ, but obviously that's a little bit more complex and sophisticated, and you have to have a process for it like everything else. Uh, I happen to believe that we are transitioning from an era where the NASDAQ uh, handily beat the Dow, but that the Dow will likely outperform in a down market. Uh, the, you know, that's what the weight of the evidence is telling me. Uh, neither of us are gamblers here, so uh, you know, we're not going to say, oh, I think that, so let me uh, do something with 80% or 100% of my money. Uh, unless it's T-bills. <laughs> uh, and on the covered calls, um, I think we'll, uh, we'll try to do a little bit more. I, I think uh, people like options. They like what options can do for them. However, uh, there are a lot of uh, securities now in the ETF space uh, that make it so that you don't have to go and uh, learn uh, you know, what uh, gamma and delta and all that other stuff is. You just have to kind of say, hey, I know what outcome I want. This gives me a fighting chance to do it. Thanks for listening to the Investing Experts podcast. Nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. At times, myself, Rob Isbitz, and my co-pilot, Matthew Tuttle, or any guests, may own positions in the securities mentioned. You can follow me on Seeking Alpha under the profile name SunGarden Investment Publishing. Matthew Tuttle's Seeking Alpha profile name is Tuttle Capital Management. We also invite you to join thousands of people who follow the Investing Experts podcast on Seeking Alpha, where you'll find full transcripts for all episodes. And take full advantage of Seeking Alpha by becoming a premium subscriber. Learn more at seekingalpha.com slash subscriptions. For Matthew Tuttle, I'm Rob Isbitz. See you next time.